everyone and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers, the only podcast, or at least one of the few podcasts, where both hosts are married with children. I can't imagine any other podcast has married with children hosts, unless there was an Al Bundy podcast or something. There might have been a modern family podcast, maybe, I don't know. Potentially, mm-hmm. I am Crofton Steers, and and that that disembodied voice, uh, it, that's Ryan Murphy. Welcome, Ryan. How are you? I am disembodied. Uh, <laughs> you can't yeah, see, but I'm I was, floating. Okay, go ahead. I I was thinking about how because uh, in in obviously on this show we we talk about uh, balancing our family life with our our gaming and our our geek stuff and all that. I was thinking how like it. It would be sad, mm-hmm. obviously, if one of us got divorced. <laughs> but it would, it, but it would, it it would be a little bit funny too, um, because you know, say it was me and I become like Millhouse's dad on The Simpsons or True. whatever, and and uh, especially the week I don't have the kids or something, and I and I'm like, uh, I'm like, all oh, right, I, I, we're we're still gonna do the show, right? And you're like, yeah, <laughs> he's still yeah, kids, yeah. yeah, of course. Of course, yeah, yeah, we're still still gonna do. You're just gonna bring a, a a different sort of divorce perspective to things, you know, and uh, and then all of my all of my anecdotes will be tinged with sadness and stuff. It would be really awkward, and yeah. you'll just smile and nod. I mean, I I I know you probably had fr- or have friends that that grew up in a household where there were divorced parents, and you know the the Simpsons stereotype that a that a that a divorced you know, uh, a family with divorced parents, that's not always the case. Like, I, I grew up with a lot of great people that came from divorced families, and sometimes that's for the best, you know? In fact, I was jealous of my friend Robert. <clears throat> Is this going to be a two Christmases story? <clears throat> because... Yeah, well, sort of. Like, so, <laughs> R- Robert's parents got divorced, mm-hmm. and uh, but they lived next to each other. Right. And, uh, in, like... The, the one moved out and lived next door and like it's we're in the country so it's like not like right next door like in the city was, so so there was you know space between the houses and stuff but it was walkable whatever and so whenever robert was pissed at one or whatever he had a bedroom in both houses you'd be like i'm going over to dad's and and the kids could sort of like go over to the other person when whenever they wanted hmm. and then my mom didn't get me a Nintendo because it because of the zapper. She thought it was like a military training tool, and I would join the military. Yeah. But but uh, Ro- Robert not only got one Nintendo, but he got because he one of the family having the Nintendo in the house meant that the kids would be more attracted to walk over there. They were like in competition in the sense oh, that the no. kids could could choose where to be so obviously the other family had to buy a nintendo so he had like two nintendos within like walking distance and i had zero nintendos i, Ryan. I think you are describing probably the an unhealthy version of divorce where you literally are describing a, a competition between between parents that's that's not good yeah maybe that's sad but bottom line is he had two nintendos and i didn't have any i think you're losing track of the big picture i I probably am because i was gonna say i use the example of two christmases and you know even you know anecdotally talking to folks who who have you know come from a divorced family like that opens up potentially like yeah two christmases but then when you're an adult it's already hard going to two christmases both your family and the in-laws 
Imagine if your family is then split into again, where you have to go to three, if not maybe four Christmases, depending on how your family sorts this stuff out. But uh, I think it could be quite busy. Four, four Christmases was a bad, like Vince Vaughn, Reese Witherspoon movie. It I'm pretty was. Sure. Yeah, it might have been literally the plot to the first five minutes of this podcast, actually. So, uh, potentially. Also, mm-hmm. um, Speaking of, of news and stuff, mm-hmm. I hear that uh, you're doing, and this makes me feel old as a podcaster because I remember this happening a year ago. Okay. But I hear you're engaging in some charitable uh, doings. Yes. Doings on, goings on. I don't good, know. good tidings and, and all that fun stuff. Uh, we I'm doing Extra Life again. Uh, I, I was trying to remember if Dungeons and Diapers was around last year, and I believe it was, if not in like its, its infancy uh maybe episode five but four of those were recorded almost a year before that uh so doing extra life it's my 10th year and the way i try to do things is for every show i do i try to have some sort of unique spin to encourage people to donate uh so with dungeons and diapers i am going to be accepting donations to extra-life.org slash participant slash ryan murphy yes there'll be a link in the show notes you don't need to worry about typing that in. Uh, anybody who donates in the name of Dungeons and Diapers, just include that in the comments. I will play Paw Patrol on a roll live on Twitch, and I think I think I'm gonna you know I'm, I'm gonna commit to half an hour for every donation. So you choose the donation. Remember, it's for the kids. I'm playing for sick kids out of Toronto. So um, please uh, donate if you can. And every donation will be 30 minutes of Paw Patrol on a roll, uh, live on Twitch. And special bonus, and this is guaranteed, so we will do it uh, on game day. Caden is going to join me to play Paw Patrol on a roll. He he doesn't know this game exists. Uh, I have a feeling once he does, my life as a as a as an, a gamer playing only adult games uh, or mature games, I guess, will be gone. I will only. I can't be believe Paw you've held out on him. Like I mean. <laughs> when Spider-Man was coming out and whatever, you were like, you were like, oh, Caden, the Spider-Man game. Yeah, but that's that's oh, a well. selfish thing. Like, that's me wanting to play Spider-Man and being to Caden like, hey, you like video games. Let's play Spider-Man. You're right. Incredibly selfish that he doesn't know that this Paw Patrol game exists. I think maybe I dangled the carrot once and said like, hey, Caden, you know there's a Paw Patrol game? Then I saw the price tag at the time of launch. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this game doesn't exist. It's not out yet. Okay, okay. Um, but it is out now and I, uh, plan on picking it up on sale so we can, we can play that live. So again, uh, we'll talk about it. You will mention it leading up to the game day, probably looking at maybe the second weekend of November, but we'll definitely lock in a date. Um, probably around, I'd say 2 PM on game day, we'll be playing live. And once Caden's done it that he could be done with the game in 15 minutes he could be done with the game in a half in an hour who knows i will continue playing for every donation that comes in uh in the name of dungeon diapers so oh, check man. out the links that and makes support me want to donate i mean that's the point right it, i hope it yeah. makes a, a few people want to donate because i mean do it for the kids and do it for Caden. If anything, like if you don't donate, like Caden just once again doesn't understand that there's a Paw Patrol video game. You know, you know what would be funny with the Paw Patrol video game? What is what's if, that? If, if 
if they sold versions of it like Pokemon, oh, you know, God. like uh, it's like you know you get you get the Pokemon Blue, you get yeah. Squirtle as a starter or whatever. It'd be it'd be funny if it was like you know Paw Patrol Chase Edition, fifty nine ninety nine Canadians. Paw Patrol Zuma Edition nine ninety nine, and it's like it's the same game, but the, you have to play as Zuma. All That's the kids too are like, bad, I, I, I want to play Chase, and they're like, No, I'm sorry, I, you're getting the Zuma Edition. Yeah. <laughs> you were uh, real, like uh, you were you were really out for Zuma, no? But I mean, it's reasonably priced. I think it's like thirty five bucks Canadian, and it's gone on sale for like eighteen bucks Canadian. So even if I have to pick it up at full price, like. You know, I spent more on maybe worse games. Like, honestly, it'd be a good experiment, too, to be able to talk about actual kids' games um, and compare them to what I played as a kid. Like, there's been some real shovelware. uh, And the game has decent reviews on Steam. I may just be saying this to make myself feel better, but I guess we'll see (laughs) in the coming months. So We will see, and it will be for a good cause. A great cause, Uh, yes. Speaking of a good cause, uh, I have a, <laughs> I have a little bit a little bit of a story here. Sure. So, um, Ottawa, the city that I live in, has decided to become a big city, uh, and by doing that, it is having its own uh, subway slash uh, light rail system. Uh, it's been years and years in development. It's been delayed multiple multiple times. There's been all sorts of boondoggles and you know restarts and all of this, but they opened phase one of the O-Train, as it's called. It's, it's called that, just for the record, because the city is called Ottawa, and it's a train. The O-Train. Um, it, I think that's a title of a sex tape. Not going to oh, lie. Pot- <laughs> potentially. Uh, I won't ask any further follow-up questions on that, Ryan. <laughs> but um, the... the uh, so O-Train is... Uh, <laughs> now I can't has, hear has, it. I can't. Is launched, and... Uh, and so I, I've been on it a few times, and honestly, cool. it's really it's really cool, uh, especially when you've lived somewhere your whole life to suddenly have this thing and like go underground and like move around really fast and avoid traffic. And I anyway, I can't say enough good things. It is really great. But one thing that I I, I think is is quite funny is uh, so my mom, mm-hmm. she's been around longer than I have even, uh, and uh, I know that sounds self evident. That's how it works. From, yeah. She's from New Zealand, so it's not granted that she would have been in Ottawa. Like I could have been oh, born somewhere crazy, but she's been she's in Ottawa multiple years before. She also is familiar with the city, even though she lives outside of the city and all that. And and so I took her and my uh, daughter Gwen for her first train ride um, on the weekend. We were just sort of killing time. I was like, "Hey guys, let's you let's go on the O train." So uh, we we went we went on and I took a nice photo of them smiling and in, in, enjoying the train. Mm-hmm. We had a good time, whatever. So one thing though is that my mom uh, is uh, is she hates her picture being taken. Generally, she has a Facebook account, but she uses it only for lurking purposes. So she has no photos or profiles or whatever. And nobody, she doesn't ever like anything or comment on anything because she doesn't want to know. Um, that she didn't want anyone to know she exists, but every once in a while she'll say something like, Oh, I like that picture you posted of the girls on Facebook the other day. And I'll be like, mom, why didn't you like it? Like, like, it. Yeah, the like come button. on, like, and subscribe, mom. 
and she's like, oh, I don't want anyone to know I'm on. I just, you know, I like to look around. I'm like, you're a lurker is what you are. <laughs> but but um, but bottom bottom line is every once in a while, um, my brother and I will, like, tag her account and be like, hey, Barb Steers or whatever. And she uh-huh. always hates that. She probably does, but, yeah. Uh, but uh, so I took this photo I took of Gwen and my mom, and uh, I tweeted it to uh, to Jim Watson, who is the mayor of Ottawa. Uh, okay. And, and I and I said, uh, "Hey, Jim Watson," and to my local councillor in the city of Ottawa, and I said, "Hey, thanks so much for the O train. It's awesome. Uh, here's a photo of you know a grandma and." her granddaughter going on their first ride and they're, they're smiling. And of course, Jim Watson, as he's wont to do, retweeted it. Oh. And now it has, it has a bunch of likes, but my mom is blissfully unaware that the mayor of Ottawa has retweeted a photo with her images. I don't even think she knows what retweeting would be, but I, I keep thinking hmm. how funny it would be and nothing has happened, but that photo is now in the public domain. I would think it would be really funny if, like, the the local newspaper or whatever is like, oh, this is a great picture to sort of go along with the story about the O-Train. I'm just going to stick it somewhere or put it somewhere. I just have this mental image of my mom walking around Ottawa now that this this picture is out there mm-hmm. and and it her being exposed to it. I'm not going to tell her about it. God knows she's not going to listen to this podcast. So... So uh, I just think it would be funny if it if it grew even to sort of a viral state. So if you're listening to this, mm-hmm. go to Acroft and Sears on Twitter, and if you see a picture of a grandma and a daughter riding the O train, which unlike R- Ryan Murphy's, uh, well, you made it weird by saying your tape. your grandmother and your grand and her granddaughter were on the train. Now, like was I made I it started. weird. Yeah, I mean, you did. Yeah, you did. I mean, I think that um, if you were to tell your mother that that this happened, uh, you should just lean into it and be like, "They had." It's like a bar, you know. I, I don't know when the last time you've been to a bar, but sometimes when you go, when you went to a bar uh, or a club when when I was in university, uh, if you took a photo there and you tagged them, that photo would then appear in their like television feed on like a slideshow. So you should just say like. The rotating ads in the O train use any photos that that tag O train, so she's just going to be on a loop on all the trains for like the next. I would be so awesome. Yeah, no, I think it would be for sure. Uh, But uh, yeah, all all this to say, we're a big city now, Ryan. Next time you're around, I'll take you on the train. I want to go on like. So when when I was in Ottawa, while I was in Gatineau and then went over to Ottawa, the O train just operates within Ottawa, right? That doesn't have any sort of connection to Gatineau? Not yet. That seems like a a really good next step, you know, probably? It, probably, yeah. It okay. won't happen, but yeah, I agree. It would make a good... Uh, a lot of sense yeah um it's there's a there's a lot of there's like phase two and phase three and all that i won't get into my local public transit for all the viewers that are listening from coast to coast to coast but needless to say uh it it is going to allow me to uh to have more time for podcasting and Mm -hmm. less time for commuting so that switch uh, is going to come in handy it's true. Oh, also, hmm. I moved offices at work. And when I say moved offices, I literally moved to a building that is from like the 19, like it predates the 1980s. But the last time they did any office retrofit was probably around the 80s. And I have my own office. Like 
and it's huge and it's got this big closing door thing and it's just, mm. i'm only supposed to be there for five years where they retrofit my my original workplace into something modern but uh but it is really funny because I'm in this building that will likely be destroyed, no joke, at the end of five years. Like, I think I'm, like, one of the last people to work in this building. But in the meantime, I get a sweet, huge office, which means definitely at lunch hour I can play uh, I can play me some Switch. You put a beanbag chair in there? Uh, there would be room. Yeah. I'm looking into putting greens. <laughs> wow, you're such I a I don't even golf. Director so, of uh, blah de blah playing golf like putting on their, but yeah, you could practice your mini putt. That's not too bad. Well, and I mean, I could, I could, uh, you know, take it out for like and do sort of courses down the hall that people could participate yeah. in and bank it you know, off the copier, could, that sort of thing. Yeah, for sure, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, speaking of banking it off the copier, I don't even know if this is going to work. That, it's no, a work. segue. Yeah. Talk about the office. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, good, good move. So, so, um, so in the uh, in the dungeons section of mm-hmm. the uh, this program, which we are now moving into, um, I I I don't know about you, and like I finished, so I finished Fire Emblem, and then I was kind of like, um, I, I Gears of War Five came out, and I had the Xbox Game Pass, but I hadn't played Gears of War Four, so I started trying to play it. Uh, and then I got pretty far in it, but I, it's not, you know, unless I'm playing co-op, it's not super satisfying. So in the, the end, I, I kind of, I'm in between games. I have a bunch that are available to me. And I, and so, uh, my wife had decided to do a rewatch of a, a TV show that we had enjoyed watching when it was on TV. One of the last shows I remember watching as it aired on TV, which is the office, the mm-hmm. U S uh, version. And so, um, and I recalled at that point as well that uh, its sister show in a way parks and recreation uh, was a show that my wife hadn't watched that I had watched when Gwen was a baby and I was up at all hours of the night with her and she's five now uh, and it had just been put on Netflix or something and I was I was watching it then so I, I'm trying to get my wife into parks and rec as well which is a both of which I never saw the very last season of neither the office or really? parks and rec because they they both stayed on for a really long time um and so i'm uh i'm doing sort of a, a two-show rewatch not hardcore but like every once in a while we'll watch i'll be like oh you want to watch the office or she she's more into the office because she knows that show and uh i i'm trying to like get her into parks and rec a little bit which she's getting more into but yeah those are great shows really easy watches although they have the cringe humor which some people don't like um mm-hmm. both of them mm-hmm. the first seasons are really rough and i just almost say start with the second season that's what we did with parks and rec um i think the first th- season of the office is more weighed down not weight weighed down is the wrong word but like it's more affected by the the office uk but yeah, the second season is where time. it really hits its stride but I, I thought parks and rec's first season was was okay um you know it's what better parks than the first were- season of the office i'd say it is, but you know what it is? It, it's so funny because it's it's exactly the same thing 
as what The Office did. So in its first se- season, it didn't have really an identity as much as it was a, the American version of, of a British show. Mm-hmm. And in the Parks and Rec, I would say the first six episode season is very much uh, like it feels like a variant of The Office, uh, of the the American Office, because mm-hmm. it was not spun off of that, but it was the same creators, writers style. Mm-hmm. And so it's more mean spirited than the rest of the series is because The Office is is more mean spirited than Parks and Rec, and um, and Leslie Nope, the 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 main character in the first six episodes, is really played as a, a little bit of a dunce, and in 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 uh, that really changes um, moving forward, where she becomes much more of an ideal idealistic and empathetic character. Um, so I I really. Uh, I, I, definitely the first season of Parks and Rec is probably better than the first season of The Office. Both of them are short. And you may be like, oh, six episodes. They're short seasons compared to the other seasons that I, I'm just going to power through them. And totally, I wouldn't begrudge that choice. But the problem is, is that six episodes is enough to get turned off something pretty hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, I definitely got turned off. Of, I watched Parks and Rec when it aired and I got turned off of it before finishing the first season watching it week to week uh and then when it was put on netflix i was like i should give this show another shot and being able to binge it really helped a lot um but uh yeah anyway i give those shows big recommends have you watched them i have all the office is something i've watched straight through a couple times and i remember in university uh my roommates and i we would pick up these shows uh, that had been on for a while. And The Office was one of those where we'd literally sit and and watch it like through the night and wake up in the morning, put a pot of coffee on and, and watch a couple more. Uh, those were the days when I could still do that. But uh, I remember watching The Office. That's crazy. Well, yeah, we, we did it with Battlestar Galactica as well where we would literally say like, Battlestar Galactica? Battlestar Galactica? Yes, Battlestar Galactica. Blah, 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 blah. And then we'd it's sit funny, down and watch I- it. I, it's just I've never mm-hmm. like while I've wa- I watch movies with people and like I would see the closest like with my wife I I've sat down and watched like say especially seasons of twenty four with Jack Bauer the sure. Jack Bauer Power Hour um, I uh, like we've watched a fair amount of episodes of those in a row but I definitely never remember really you know doing a mega binge like a through the night type type binge and definitely not with like my friends like like uh, yeah no i i played a lot of video games mm-hmm. and i've had a lot of late nights but like a big a big show watch i'm not judging i think no, that's no. cool i think with uh, like with uh, we we lived together in this and we had the house it was the three of us and we would definitely play video games all night i remember when wrath of the lich king came out and, and there were still midnight launches. We went to EB Games, the the three or four of us, and you know, three of us picked up um, Wrath of the Lich King, and the other guy was like, "Well, I don't play WoW. Can I just buy a game?" And they're like, "Yeah, Mirror's Edge is out." So he bought Mirror's Edge, and we would go back to the house and and basically play it all night. But I think like watching through watching these shows through, it really was like that binge moment that people get with with Netflix where like oh a new season of stranger things drops i'm going to watch the whole thing people do that so what we were doing is we had like five seasons of the office to catch up on 
and you know we did was these are 24 episodes each right? yeah like they're like it's but they're, they're like 20 minutes ass. each and they're they're solid yeah. like the first three seasons of the office are nearly perfect uh outside of that first season that is a little rough but we would basically sit there and just hang out and watch the office and you know we'd have pizza and and i do remember with battlestar galactica a, a moment where we stayed up all night and those are like our episodes but they're those like mystery box shows where you're trying to discover right what's happening and what the plot is and then as things are slowly un- unveiled you're like oh my gosh oh my gosh and i remember like the sun comes up and we'd put a pot of coffee on and I- i'm pretty sure at like four in the morning we like made hot dogs on the barbecue like it was completely unhealthy but honestly one of one of those memories i will i will hold dear because we just i remember one time like we just decide oh we're gonna watch a bunch of tv let's go get energy drinks <laughs> incredibly unhealthy but super super awesome but what's interesting about that is like the um what i think is funny is Mm -hmm. like the office is a great show and and as is battlestar galactic all these these are good shows but now they have this added element for you like they will always have that right and it it is interesting because like for me one of those shows is seinfeld which is obviously a great show but is a show that i watched week to week when it aired with my my family like my parents and uh and my brother and stuff like that and it was like i had become old enough like to, to um to appreciate sort of adult humor and it was like a, a, and my dad passed obviously like alzheimer's and stuff uh so i don't have a ton of adult you know experiences with him when he was fully with it and so seinfeld because of all of that it it, it, it just made it that that show has an additional say emotional resonance for mm-hmm. me the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, The Simpsons, those were shows that after school we would get off the school bus and they were, you know, like they would the repeats would play on like CBC and stuff like that right afterwards, and we would we would watch, watch those shows. So like I remember watching them with my brother. That gives them added like added import to me. They value added value, and so it is it is cool how how like the experience that you have and the time that you have with something mm-hmm. can be, can really e- even, even stuff you don't like as much, like can, can add value to it. I'll give you an example. Like I'm not a huge fan of the movie fight club, but m- my friend Mike and I saw fight club when we were ba- backpacking in Mexico and we were in Acapulco at the time. And we went to a me- movie theater and then we saw fight club and we ended up staying all night talking about fight club, like hmm. dissecting the movie and being like, Whoa, that movie was crazy. And like in retrospect, you know, like I, I was 19 at the time. I was probably the perfect target audience for a movie like Fight Club, but um, but it's just it it because of my life experience. It, at that time, it has some sort of added sort of resonance to me. Like I cannot think of Fight Club without thinking about Acapulco, Mexico, which has nothing to do with Fight Club. You know? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think I could sit down and watch The Office again and be reminded of of those memories and and that that'd be a part of the reason I'd want to rewatch the office. I mean, when I think about rewatching a series, my mind immediately goes to, well, how am I going to ha- I can barely have time to watch new series and or existing series. How can I go back and watch it again? So most of the time that thought immediately is my brain, but for some reason with the office and Parks and Rec, those are two series that I could easily uh watch again and, and i think parks and rec came 
for me after university. So leaving that sort of like uh, binging moment with friends and, and Ashley, uh, she is not a binge watcher. I remember when we were originally rewatching the office, we'd watch like two episodes in a row and I'd be like, Oh yeah, let's watch the next one. She'd be like, I cannot watch another episode. Not that she didn't like the office. She just didn't like to watch the same thing over and over. She's like an, an anti, uh, binger. But now, now that we're, you know, uh, married with two kids, we just literally can't binge because we can only find, we only find time like, oh, it's like nine o'clock, let's watch something. So we're always like halfway between like a Netflix episode, which works really just, well for me. It's just funny, like mm-hmm. the qualifying binging in different ways. Cause, <laughs> cause, uh, cause you're like, yeah, yeah, we can't watch 12 episodes in a row. Yeah, that is a big binge. But like, I would argue that like, like when, when the Stranger Things season came out, mm-hmm. we watched it in a week right yeah so we watched like at least one episode a night and there might have been a night we watched two episodes or something like that yes and like some people would very much argue that we binge the sh- that that's binging the show it's like you just you there, there's no gaps you know you because this is in the area where you would like the era previous was there's one episode that came out a week you know like and you, yeah you'd uh, and, so and like there to, were sometimes you know before lost kind of came in and forced you know uh you know television providers to or uh, content providers to kind of like set a schedule because i remember when lost came out people were devastated that they were airing reruns in during regular runs right and yeah, that yeah, kind of created right. this like the seasons being split in two mid-season to mid-season and, it, and it's it's pretty much the norm now from you know terrestrial t- tv and cable but you yeah, know I, I agree with you yeah binging has changed its definition has changed for me and i think i i agree like binging doesn't necessarily have to watch it straight but watching it in in one fell swoop over the course of a week i would consider that binging but um we oftentimes now like we find time to maybe watch tv together I'd say two to three times a week, uh, and and that's and that's fine because we usually get through a series within a couple weeks to a month. And right now we're working on Mindhunter, and where we watch one episode, we're kind of halfway through, but the one before it, I really like that mode because the way Netflix kind of structures their shows is there's always a cliffhanger to get you to play the next episode. Right. Uh, yeah. So right. the fact that we're stopping halfway through, we did that with Orange Is the New Black, the final season, where it was like. Okay, after this scene, we'll stop it and we'll go to bed and then we'll pick it back up tomorrow. Um, so we still binge, but it's very rare that we focus in on, on one series, especially now with the fall season of shows back. Like we've got an episode of Good Place PVR and I think Ashley's got Heartland and stuff like that. So we've definitely got lots that of show's content. still on? Yeah, 13 got- seasons. I can't watch it Holy anymore because it's... Shit. It's the same plot all the time, and I mean, anyone could have told you that after season one, but it's like, literally the old cowboy man yelling at the stubborn other cowboy man, and she has to fix a horse that miraculously has has an issue that's solved in 60 minutes. Um, One of the kids runs away, so they're constantly adopting kids so they can run away for plot points. I mean, I'm being super, (laughs) like, uh, (laughs) I'm being, you know, if anyone loves Heartland, like, I'm sorry, but I am being... it is like that. I agree. <laughs> it is exactly like that. Be- so I like literally stormed out. Like I, I hit a point in my life where you know once we had kids, I had limited time to watch TV, and I and we were watching Heartland. It's like I literally can't watch this anymore. Like it's it's the same thing over and over again. Um, Unlike Paw Patrol, that's completely different. 
you know. Well, see, that's that's yes. Yeah, uh, I don't watch Paw Patrol by choice. I've never seen an episode of The Office after mm. Michael Scott has left. Like the last episode uh, I yeah. saw, I think was because I watched it when it aired on TV, mm. and and when that episode aired, I was just like, all right, I'm good here. And then I thought that they were going to wrap it, wrap it up or whatever, and and then it ended up going you know seasons afterwards where they've tried a bunch of stuff and other celebrities came in and all that mm-hmm. so i am a little bit of curious i am a little bit curious to sort of see those later seasons because they are episodes i have not seen at all i'm but at the same point i'm sure it it's uh you know it, it, it there's a certain amount of authenticity in the early seasons where mm-hmm. you, like you believe this to be an office yeah uh, but then it becomes increasingly contrived um and even characters that see are supposed to be like the sober characters um start becoming less so you know like uh and so so uh, And they come up with reasons why somebody can never really leave the office or whatever. You know, they always end up coming back or. Yeah. So I think the later seasons of The Office are. They're still good, but they're not. uh, Like Robert, once they land on like a a general manager that sticks around with Robert England, like it does get better. Um, And that's played by James Spader, the guy who did the voice of Ultron and stuff. So it, it, it. it works eventually, but then it kind of goes off the rails again, and then kind of comes back together at the very end. And by the time that hits, like you're done with the series. So, yeah, no, and I heard the finale is good, so I, I do want to check that out. But that's been office talk with Ryan and Crofton. Mm-hmm. Uh, R- Ryan, what have you been doing in terms of dungeon work? Yeah, well, I'm going to defer my dungeons conversation so we can quickly talk about Spider-Man is back in the MCU. Last what, episode, Ryan? Uh, yeah, news to everybody, probably. Uh, if you waited, if you're hearing, seriously though, if you're hearing about this for the first time on this podcast, that's kind of cool. But uh, it's been big news for a while, and unlike last episode where we waited a whole month to talk about Spider-Man leaving the MCU, I figured it would be good for us to talk about Spider-Man coming back to the MCU. And, you know, as we discussed at the last episode... There's no way Disney and Sony are going to leave money, guaranteed money, on the table. And essentially what happens is we're going to get a third solo Spider-Man film and one, at least one film with Spider-Man in another MCU. Sorry, Spider-Man in MCU film. It's totally going to be that Doctor Strange movie. Like, it's not even... I I guarantee you. That that seems like, to me... Oh, because you're you're still going on the line that like this is this is Sony's opportunity to have uh, Spider-Man enter the multiverse so that he can jump because they did say in a quote like he is the only superhero has the ability to cross oh, yeah. between universes. So so I think Sony Sony realizes like okay like their long their long term play is clearly to get to, to to be able to you know grow their Spider Verse and all of mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. That's, but you that's need Spider Man to do that, right? And and uh, and so I I I totally believe that uh, they need to find some sort of way of, of linking linking um, Spider Man into that. They know that they ended up on a big cliffhanger. They know that that story the storyline in in the MCU is not officially resolved yet. So I am don't get me wrong. I'm super happy because now that's bought that's bought more time. My expectation is still that 
that it's not going to be extended. We'll, we'll see. But I have a question for you. When did you find out this news? Like, where were you when you found out? Do you remember? I, the funny thing is I can remember exactly. And I have an Apple watch for those who may have heard the ding and and one of the podcasts. So what I was doing is I was literally getting back into the van after buying Subway for Ashley and I for lunch. I had the, I had the afternoon off because yeah. uh, Ashley was helping her nanny move into her parents and i was bringing lunch home because uh we needed to eat so she could she could go off and and help her parents and i and i look at my watch and i get a reddit notification sony and disney announced spider-man's back in the mcu and i and i guess maybe i'll i'll remember that moment for a little bit and i'm glad we've captured that on a podcast that that i remember exactly where i was don't ask me any follow-up questions about life moments where I actually should know where I was when I heard yeah, news. Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't. Where do that. were you when you found out your wife's pregnant? Uh, I don't. I'm not quite sure, but uh, <laughs> Sp- <laughs> so Sp- Spider-Man returning the MCU. I definitely know because it is reason in my mind, but it was also kind of a funny situation. Okay. So I'm at. I am. Um, I've gone out to lunch with my friend Eric at the Rideau Center, okay. a, a, which is the – I don't want to say the biggest mall in, in, in Ottawa, but the most important in the sense that it's right downtown. Um, and uh, and so we've just like we've just had our meal and we're heading up and he's getting booster juice, so not unlike your subway story. And I'm just I'm just waiting for him because I don't I didn't I didn't get uh, the booster juice. Hmm. And I was looking. I'm like, all right, I'll look at my phone while while I'm waiting. And I see I get a you know notification. Spider Man's back in the MCU. So I immediately just physically start fist pumping. Really yeah. like I'm just like <laughs> I, I I'm just like I'm in the middle of the mall. There's a bunch of people around, and I just start fist pumping and going yeah. And, and, and Eric turns around to me. He's like, "What is wrong with you?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Spider Man's back in the MCU." And and then this other guy who's walking by just just stops and says he's back and i'm like yes he's back right now and i just and, and then i hold up my phone and the guy just puts his arm straight up and is like woo and oh, walks that's, walks that's walks off down the hall and then then eric says to me what's the mcu and i was like oh, I said, and I, and i said buddy i'm like it's the marvel cinematic universe he's like oh okay and, and he laughs but then i go on this big thing because he doesn't really understand the implication of it. So I go mm-hmm. through as I want to do the entire life story of, so Marvel was going bankrupt in near the nineties and they sold the rights to all their car, blah, 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 blah. Spider-Man went to Sony and a 20th century Fox Disney, blah, 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 blah. Years forward, Iron Man, 2008, blah, became big, big hit. And then now expanded universe and all this. I go on, like I'm talking like 15 minutes. We're walking, we're almost back at work and I'm still, so finally today we found out that Spider-Man is in fact back in the MCU. <laughs> and then there's this moment of quiet and eric leans over to me and says uh yeah um you know i've never told anyone really but i've never seen a superhero movie before and and this is funny because not that i expected eric to have seen a superhero movie. i expect all my friends to have seen multiple superhero movies this was a little bit uh, like out of red field and he uh, out of left field and he's not a big superhero movie 
Uh, he's not a big movie guy to begin with, but it just was really funny that I had had this giant communal celebration with some stranger that I walked and I was so excited and I told him the whole story of these multiple movie studios fighting over this intellectual property. And then when I was done, he was like, uh, I've never seen a superhero movie and I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I was like, Poor well, guy. trust me, he, buddy. He listened, it's right? a big deal. I'm sure you, I'm going to tell him. I'm going to be like, Eric, I talked about you in the last podcast. Oh. I made you sound like a complete noob. Uh, but what's you know what's funny? And this is how the tide has turned. Mm. He was like, he's a big muscle dude, like, you know, played football and all of this sort of stuff. And, 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 uh, and he was like, when he came over, when he leaned over to tell me that he had never seen a superhero <laughs> movie, he did it in a way that he was embarrassed about that. Oh, like, okay. literally, literally, the tide has completely turned where now it is cool-ish to have seen superhero movies and to, like, to not know anything about them. He's like, he's literally embarrassed by that almost, you know? Hmm. Go back 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been the case. Definitely know? not the case. Uh yeah definitely not the case i can i can speak from experience for sure but uh yeah i i find that the news of him being back it was very exciting and i'm i was a little disappointed at like a little like i was like oh my god i'm so excited and then there was just a little bit of a dip when there was just the news that it was the two films then as the internet does points out a lot of comments and one of those was that tom holland originally only signed a contract for seven films so these two films would finish off that contract but honestly i would be very surprised if they didn't you know re-up tom holland's contract like he's i i in my opinion he's been the perfect spider-man best one so far it's just one of those situations where like you know at the end of spider-man 2 mm -hmm. if you had told me that after Sp that spider-man 3 would be it and there'd be no other spider-man movies with toby Maguire and all of them i would be like you're shitting me. These are the top grossing movies pretty much of my right. lifetime. Like, why would there not be other ones? All it takes is one massive turd yep. to sour to sour people. And I think, like, they realize, Sony and Marvel both, and Disney, they all realize they're, like, on a high right now. And um, by extending it, maybe they'll extend their high. Maybe something bad will happen. Maybe Marvel and, and Sony will make a bad third Spider-Man movie and then people won't be so so pissed when when they're like we're gonna bring spider-man just into the mcu but i i think for me it, it gives it'll give us closure on the spider-man story in the mcu mm -hmm. it gives marvel time to sort of like you know maybe move away from it a bit and it gives um it gives like uh an opportunity like the thing i find most interesting is the spider-man cameoing and something else because mm -hmm. they all they all have a sense of what that is, right? Like they all know why would you spe specify one movie? Why would you make it one movie? It's one phase four movie. If you look at the phase four slate, like Spider-Man is not cameoing in the Eternals. Well, we know? don't like, know for sure it's phase four, but, but it's, I thought it was pretty clear. I thought it said phase four movie. Didn't um, it? Well, I mean the best, I, I don't think it specifically said, but I see where you're coming from in the sense that they probably want to say like, this they don't want to extend it out too far and say like yeah, well yeah. spider-man 3 is in 2021 it's coming out in july that's actually a year where we're gonna have four mcu movies and four series uh on disney plus and then have like his f appearance be like three years later 
a lot of people i i like your idea of the multiverse it allows spider-man to have like a plot point for him visiting the other films rather than him just being a carbon copy in the venom and or the venom verse uh but there's also talk that maybe they could be doing like a young avengers film where spider-man is the leader of the young avengers and you've oh, got that's you know miss marvel a- and the other characters that they've announced but nothing set in stone yet only that we are going to have a third film and there's talk that it could be craven the hunter which makes sense uh in terms of him hunting down spider-man i've also heard like there might be a specific lawyer that shows up uh whether that's you know daredevil or she hulk who knows i think that's a bit of a stretch like i don't think they do a whole film where there's just a lawyer um like it's just all a legal proceeding although marvel does like to do their they're sort of like, well, this is a Marvel movie, but it's actually like a heist film. Or this is a Marvel movie, but it's actually a Western, you know. Um, maybe the new Spider-Man Law and Order. I have no idea. I I think the last Spider-Man Far From Home movie, like if you look at, uh, or like um, Homecoming, Far From Home, it's going to have home some, sure. some somewhere in the title, the third one. And, and the first one was, uh, you know, I think a takeoff of the kind of, john hughes movies yeah like like a breakfast clubby type thing exactly the second one was more of the i think i don't want to draw allusion to the chevy chase vacation films but like there's like you know there's there's different 80s tropes or whatever i feel like that they will they will do that again they will they will lean into another set of homages uh and i find it's very clever how they've reinvented these um these B B list Spider-Man villains in ways that make them sort of more formidable and work with the MCU, especially considering they were all invented in the sixties. Right. And, and even Spider-Man himself, like to modernize these characters, it can be tricky. I just will say again, Mm -hmm. like, and this is going back to what I was saying about after Avengers Endgame, how I was superheroed out and how, Spider-Man Far From Home, had that not been the next one, like I would have been out after Endgame. Um, I'm excited for the next Spider-Man movies, but again, it doesn't change my feeling for any of the others. Like I have no more interest in seeing um, Shang-Chi or whatever, the Eternals or any of that. They're going to have to sell those movies to me on their own merit. However, as soon as they announce like, oh, in Phase 4, Thor, Love in thunder or whatever has spider-man in it all of a sudden i'm a hundred percent more interested whatever movie they say has spider-man in it i i i'm i'm there you know like so mm-hmm. that's that's a trump card yeah and we uh we don't use that word lightly so yeah <laughs> no one does like get impeached days. yeah <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa uh yeah no that's really cool i i think i'll i'll save my uh my streaming story for uh for next episode because we've got some we got some diapers to change. It's getting smelly in here. Right on. I'm I'm all for it. You want to uh, do you want to start off? I started on the old dungeons. Yeah. Well, uh, this one's been sitting here for a bit, but <laughs> uh, Caden started preschool this year. He started nice. in September, and it was one of those moments where you you have two occurrences where you have uh, your kid who doesn't want anything to do with you and just loves preschool and runs in is like that can't even say goodbye 
you know preschool spider-man's back in the mcu Woo! i don't even think i explained to caden i i I had a hard enough time trying to explain it to ashley but and she got it i just it wasn't a it wasn't as big a deal but uh i guess for caden it'd be like saying well you know uh marshall is owned by um insert kids show here and he's got to, he's got to go back so he's not going to be in paw patrol anymore that would be devastating for him that'd be about oh, on par yeah, um, it's not like it's Zuma. yeah no exactly well anyways uh so yeah caden started preschool he's one of those kids that will run out the other type of kid obviously is is the opposite where it's you know they don't want you to leave you know they want you to stay with them um and i i kind of assumed caden would be the type to kind of run off um because he likes he he likes uh being around you know other kids we go to the park and he sees kids and it's like oh my friends are here and it's like you don't know who these people are you know uh these these could be anybody's you know uh they might not be your friends um so he really likes being around other people and i think this will be very good for him because he needs sort of that he needs someone else to tell him no like he needs a teacher figure or an authoritative figure to say no to him because he does have these moments where he doesn't do well with you know, uh, uh, sharing or people taking his stuff, uh, which which has been evident by some of the feedback we're getting back from the teachers. And Caden, oh, Caden gets a bit handsy. He's a bit he's a bit hands on. We have to tell him no. I, I think the recent feedback was that uh, kids were taking his stuff without asking, and he was getting handsy, like hands on with it. Uh, and I, I said, I turned to Ashley and I said, like. I mean, it would be really good to hear the other side of the feedback and then what they're saying to the kids who are running up and stealing his shit, you know? That's not cool. So, obviously, we were trying to, like, we were talking, like, what do we do at home? Like, we have two kids, but when they try to take each other's stuff, like, it it turns into a meltdown, and that doesn't seem like the feedback we're getting. It just sounds like maybe he's he's running up and trying to take his stuff back, but... um, that's what we're currently dealing with with preschool but i i did have a moment where i felt very i had you have these moments when you have small children as you're like oh my parents did this 30 years ago or whatever and and that was me sitting in an info night with other parents in like small small chairs too small for for adults but not small enough that they're like awkward but it's literally like you know i know what you mean exactly and i'm sitting there and there's like you know, coffee and tea and cookies to the right. And then there's a bunch of teachers in front of me speaking to me. And I'm like, oh, oh God, like this is what my parents did like 30, you know, 25 years ago at an info night, like a parent info night. And I just had that weird feeling. And, you know, it was just really odd. Uh, it, it wasn't. Is, it it was, is funny because uh, there are a few of those moments mm-hmm. in your life you're going to have where, you're, especially like, as a young adult where you're like i'm an adult now you know Mm -hmm. like it's just it's just you get these sets i definitely in in those situations i had the same feeling when i was i was going to i had to go to a couple of kindergarten orientation sessions uh to determine which one gwen was going and when i'd be sitting them and and and, you know moms are asking uh, in particular really pointed questions about like you know how much outdoor time do they get how much french <laughs> exposure are they getting and all this and i'm like um i i'm thinking god i am you know i am a total adult now so i totally rick i i get the feeling that, that you would be going through it's like a weird it, self-realization and it's not like a a, a 
a pang of anxiety or sort of worry. It's just like a light bulb. Huh. You know, like that's really, it's a really weird feeling of self-realization. It's just so crazy. But then the other th- the other thing for preschool is is preschool is like the training wheels for school in many mm-hmm. ways and so like the the stuff that Caden's going through and and that you know that, that like that uh, oh he took my stuff I reacted a certain way all of that sort of stuff that's that's like preschool 101 you know yeah. like that's where they're they're all learning to to deal with that and it makes it so that when they walk into like kindergarten or whatever it's going to just be so much easier for you guys than if you went just straight from home to kindergarten oh you know? yeah I could not imagine going straight into kindergarten and um, I did talk to my parents about it I don't remember but they said, oh, no, you did preschool at, like, a specific place, and it was really good for you. Because we never did daycare, and we don't do daycare now because Ashley's at home. And it was – it's just – it's been a, a really weird experience, but it's been really great. Uh, I picked up Caden a couple times and uh, as a family with Abby and Ashley. And, you know, Caden runs up to Abby and, you know, gives her a big hug and says, like, Abby, I missed you today. Like, oh, man, I was at preschool. And I'm – and we, our biggest concern was was Abby like coming to the mornings to drop him off or coming to pick him up that she would want to be there too because she really likes to be around her brother play with you know play with toys with her brother and stuff so I'm it's a little unfortunate like um, I know a friend of mine has a situation where his two kids uh, it, the the preschool and the JK is in the same school so they see each other at recess sometimes. Um, this is a different situation where Caden will essentially go to, you know, JK next year and then Abby will be starting preschool. So there won't be that overlap. Um, obviously there'll be overlap once they're further into their, you know, your schooling sort of, uh, years, but yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting experience. And I think the only other time, the one other time so far that I've had that self-realization was the dentist. If that sounds weird. Uh, we did the dentist with Caden and it was that self-realization as I'm sitting in the chair next to Caden as he's he's getting his dentistry done and I'm thinking oh my gosh like this is what my parents did for me when I was I was basically was at the dentist every other month for some new work or appliance or whatever like and I'm like oh god I just hope I don't have to do that specific like every nine months sure but like every couple months to get like some new expensive equipment put in my mouth no thanks (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I, I know uh, we had the sort of dentist experience at the same time we commiserated yeah. about it. But I as well felt like I'm like, oh, she's already at the dentist. But but it's uh, it is one of those things where like you can't even say what the moment that you're going to like turn around and be like, shit, I'm an adult now. I'm my dad now or whatever. Yeah. But you know that at one point that moment is going to uh, uh, come. Um. It, for for me in terms of in terms of uh uh diapers i would just say like i'm coming off a really good weekend with the mm-hmm. girls uh so my my uh daughter clara is is a year and um, a year and a half she's a super good natured smiley just really happy uh sleeps sleeps really well i'm i'm really lucky and i and uh, gwen five year five years old super curious super fun uh really well behaved just 
like I feel super, super lucky. This weekend was particularly great. And I just recognize like for those of you who are starting out or feel like, oh, God, it's like I can't get any sleep or I can't, you know, like my kids are tearing each other apart. Uh, there's light at the end of the tunnel because when it gets better, it gets way, way better. And at one point it gets really, you know, uh, really good. And uh, they both get on, get on super well. Uh, one of the things that we've been doing – uh, this past little while as we've been playing a new Zelda game as mm -hmm. uh, I think Breath of the Wild was, as I talked about on the show, maybe a little much for Gwen, although I haven't I haven't uh, discarded it entirely. We may go we may go back to it at a certain point. Uh, but Link's Awakening came out and Link's Awakening, we talked, you know, I mentioned earlier about how uh, I have these emotional attachments to certain, you know, TV shows. Well, Link's Awakening happens to be a video game that I have an emotional attachment to. I was uh, not allowed to have a Nintendo, as I mentioned earlier, uh, but when I was old enough to be able to buy my own Game Boy, hmm. my mom was sort of, my was okay with that, right? So... Uh, Link's Awakening was about the biggest and baddest game you could get for the Game Boy. Uh, and uh, I was really excited to be able to play. Like My, my friends were really into Link, Link to the Past on Super Nintendo. I obviously was not able to play that game. So I played Link's Awakening. And I remember driving back from like the Zellers uh, and being in the back seat um, and opening the Link's Awakening box and pulling out the manual. And mm. it goes through like all the items and stuff that you get in each dungeon. Like they gave you, it's kind of spoilery, but it's like, Oh, the hook shot, it does this and that. And I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. Um, and I, I was really, really into it. I was actually a little disappointed when I opened the, the new links awakening box. Cause I, I didn't get the digital version. I got the hard copy just to sort of replicate the old times. And there's of course, there's no manual anymore. It's just like, there's no reason to get the box. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, I got the 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 remake of of Link's Awakening, and uh, I haven't honestly played it since mm -hmm. I was a kid. Um, even though, like, as playing it, things come are coming back to me. Uh, but it is not just an art style, as you can probably guess by just looking at the screenshots. But in gameplay, it is like a perfect game to play with something someone like a five-year-old or a six-year-old like i mean it, of all the zeldas like had this game been out when i was trying to uh, you guys recall it that a year ago or whatever i'm i'm asking people for suggestions i want to play a zelda game with my kid i'm like oh which one would be good but there's always some sort of issue is this one too scary is this one whatever mm -hmm. this one is the perfect one and uh it's funny that it's 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 just coming out now uh, Ryan, have uh, you're a Nintendo fiend? I'm just going to assume that you've bought and played Link's Awakening already. I have purchased it and I have played it, and and Caden and I, uh, as well as Abby, a little bit, we've been sitting down to play it. And you're right; it's kind of the perfect game to play uh, with your kids. Caden and Abby obviously aren't at the point where they're they're playing with the controller, but I feel like early on in the game, when you're just walking around, you're you're collecting stuff. I think that would work really well. Uh, for kids, but they've enjoyed the visuals. They've enjoyed sort of the the dungeon stuff, and it's really fun to kind of explain as you're going through because it's it's those screens, right, where you transition from screen to screen. It just works so well in in like a co-op couch play type scenario. So, um, but I like you, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry to to, to um, 
to clarify, Gwen's not playing. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think that she could potentially. Uh, you know, she's getting there. She doesn't want to. She wants to watch me play and give me directions and, and contribute into the puzzle solving and stuff. Like, I'll give you a little little dad thing that, that I, I do. is like in all Zelda games, it's like this. But in this one, it, it's quite prominent when there's mm-hmm. cracks where you can place a bomb and stuff will blow up. Uh, like, uh, but I, if I see a spot where there's a bomb, there's a, I will not say anything. And I like, like I like Gwen's spot because when she sees them, she's so excited. Oh, Dad, there, there's cracks on that wall, bomb there, you know, or whatever. <laughs> and and uh, I general as an adult, I, I'll I'll generally see them first, but I will you know let her. But there's a lot of things hmm. that she's you know on top of ideas that she has. Sometimes she suggests doing crazy things, and I'm like, this is ridiculous. But then it works out for some reason or whatever. Um, so it's been really really fun playing. And she wants to every night we played like maybe half an hour 40 minutes after supper and then we on saturday it was raining and we played like two and a half hours nice um and uh clara who is like she's tearing up the basement while we're she's but she's happy to do it with us like she's playing running around grabbing all these controllers that and pretending to be playing with us and all that sort of stuff. So it was actually really, really fun um, this weekend. But but also I would just, you know, going back to the game itself, I would just say that, that uh, Ryan, you were talking about like the Paw Patrol game as being like, what a kid's game, what what it's like, you know, playing a kid's game. And I knew exactly what you meant. Like that mm-hmm. game in no way, shape or form is targeting adults. It's like, it's solely targeting kids. It's for your kids, yeah. Where Nintendo is like, to me, the Disney of the video game space, right? Like it's essentially when it really when you they release a Mario game or a Mario Kart game, like their target audience really is kids. Like in the same way that that um, that you know, like the Disney movies are, but yet they're they're artfully made and can be appreciated on multiple levels. By you know, by people of all ages, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's what I think is so awesome. Because like honestly, I'm talking to some of the NPCs. It says on the box, first off, you need a very basic ability to read to play this game, and and that's pretty much straight on. Because you talk to the characters, and they say like like what what they pretty much said on Game Boy, which is like a line or maybe two lines or whatever, not much. Mm-hmm. And it's always like really kind of basic stuff. Um, and, uh, and, uh, but they don't need to say, they don't need to say much. They pack so much into the game and just like in exploration and environment and all of that. Uh, there's no antagonist um, in, in, in the same way there is in other Zelda games. There's no like scary Ganon or whatever. It's just like, you're exploring this island and trying to get off it. Like that's really all it is. It's really soft in that way. There are enemies and monsters, but it's not like it's, there's never any sort of um, darkness. I guess hmm. uh, that's a really like good there point. Is, and 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 because of that, it's it's just really kid friendly. Like it's really it's the one. Like aside from like you have your conversation with the kid about beating stuff with the sword, mm-hmm. uh, and and once you have that aside, being like you don't hit things with the sword. This is just an adventure or whatever. And the enemies all poof and all that. It's it's fairly uh, inoffensive. So big recommend for me, especially with playing with kids. I think uh, Link's Awakening, and and um, 
one of the controversies around this game, Ryan, I think you've probably seen it, is that Breath of the Wild cost $79.99 Canadian or like whatever. And this game costs $79.99 Canadian. And obviously in scope, they are not the same. I get that. I would just say uh, to that that, A, Breath of the Wild is a sweet-ass deal at that price. Uh and um, in terms of the content and quantity mm-hmm. and until games have a sliding scale in price, such as life. And, and and secondly, like if you have a kid and you're looking to sit down and play an experience like nostalgia uh, brought to the to, to, to present day and get a good amount of hours of play and all of that sort of stuff, then Link's Awakening is very much worth your $79.99. Like I would have it is in my top three switch games for playing with kids yeah and i mean you know as korath is saying in the chat room like he wishes nintendo games would go on sale and sometimes they do every once in a while i was able to pick this this one up on sale uh during e3 specifically here in canada i know in the states you can pick up games for like 10 bucks off like switch games at walmart for 10 bucks off at launch but uh during e3 uh, in Canada here, like purchasing from Best Buy and Walmart and Amazon, they sometimes have their games um, for a slight discount. I was able to pick this one up for like sixty-five bucks instead of the instead of the eighty plus tax, so not too bad. I think it ended up being like seventy some bucks. But yeah, no, part I of, think um, part of me wishes they priced it like like. Um, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, which has a similar graphical style yeah. and was slightly slightly less expensive and all that, um, but you know, I, it, it's still like it's still a fulsome Zelda experience. Uh, we played through Link of the Past recently, mm-hmm. uh, Gwen and I, and so uh, it compares really well to that game. I would say it's much easier. I think it was easier at the time. It's definitely easier on Switch, like. Um, you find pieces of heart you you get hearts pretty easy sure. and uh, the enemies aren't very dangerous so i i would say that uh, to that game yeah i think it goes back to the conversation we had with you know binging and watching content on netflix and series and stuff it's my my interpretation of value for for a game or a piece of content is more about entertainment than it is about like length if you tell me a game is 300 hours and it's only going to cost me 80 bucks, I'm like, yikes. Um, that's not a selling feature. But if you tell me this is a remake of a beloved game that I had as a child uh, and it's it's 12 hours and it looks great and it runs great and it's fun, yes, 80 bucks, sign me up. Because 12 hours is doable and still allows me to enjoy other games. You present me with a 300-hour RPG, I have to be comfortable playing that for the foreseeable future and or not finishing it. So I really, it's all, it, for me specifically, I've, I place my value in entertainment, not, not just length. And I know some people it's different. Some people are, are only able to buy a game. You know, I remember when I was in school, when you were not university, sorry, OSAP, but when I was in high school, when we would buy games or even elementary school, you saved up that money and it had to be an investment. I remember saving up my money and getting like a Kirby game for N64 and I enjoyed it, but it was short and it wasn't quite what I was expecting. Like you're coming off of Super Mario, Super Mario 64 and like finally a, an open world Kirby game. And it's like, no, it's a side scroller and you're going to finish it in 10 hours. That was devastating because it was an expensive game, you know? Uh, but nowadays it's like, yeah, 12 hours, sign me up. <laughs> 
Yeah, it, and it's not just it's not just the twelve hours. I think the mm-hmm. controversy on this one is it's the exact branding of series as Breath of the Wild. Like it's Legend of Zelda. It's um it's being sold at the same price. It's on the same system. Yeah. It's released it's released two years later. So people are making these comparisons that they might not make otherwise because your points are well made. Uh and I totally understand where people are coming from. And I wouldn't say that this is a must have uh Zelda game for like an adult Zelda mm. player like I I think it's totally worth your time. I think you'll have a great time playing it. I don't I don't think there's any reason for you to play the Game Boy version now like you should just get this version like uh I know the price is so much more but like I mean if you're going to play Link's Awakening if you're going to invest the time into playing that game you might as well play this version of it, right? Uh, yeah. there's no downside to it that I can think of. The only thing I'd say and I haven't I haven't played around with the chamber dungeon feature mm. very much because I've been playing with Gwen and obviously I don't think she would have any interest in me screwing around with dungeon rooms for like 20 minutes. Um, but my understanding is that it's not super great or very interesting. You can't so. share your levels online either, which is a which is a, a downer to say the least. Yeah, for sure. But yeah. all told, good, great game. That's what I've been doing. Cool. Uh and uh, with that, I think, uh, or do we have any listener feedback this week? Brian? Yeah, well, why don't we read the one from Jordan via Twitter? Because this is this is pretty timely. He sent us this uh, this our way. Uh, you guys have any expert pieces of advice for a guy that is going to be raising two under two, 15 month gap to be exact, asking for a friend? And of course, this came with a birth announcement that Jordan and his family are going to be welcoming uh, their second child uh, into the family. And... I know you specifically have a large gap between uh, your two children. For me, Caden is now three and a half, and Abby is two, so there is about a you know a, an eighteen month gap between the two. Um, so it, it wasn't too bad. I think it depends on where your oldest is at, because at that point Caden was sleeping through the night like a rock. So whatever no and abby was very quiet so sometimes you get lucky like you know you have one kid who may have been a a light sleeper as as a young baby but then all of a sudden is is totally cool sleeping through the night um they they gel well but there's still two of you so it's still one-on-one one v one defense uh so you're uh you're fine as long as you as long as you work as a team I'm going to say something really inappropriate sure. to both you and Jordan. Okay. Uh, like Keep it in your I pants. Very, <laughs> I'm very impressed that you guys were able to get back on the horse, uh, you know, in such <laughs> su- such a short time, or that your wife was really ke- like great on both of you. Like, right. good, th- two thumbs up. Uh, but the other thing I. That is inappropriate. The other thing that I would say is, is that. Um, and this is something I've always thought, which is sure. the closer the, the the smaller the gap down to twins, like say like if you had twins sure. to, to, to even these fifteen month, seventeen month gap, the 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 harder it is at that at the moment like of of birth and thereafter, like like the first year is gonna be a really tough year. Like you're you're mm-hmm. going you're going hard and it's gonna it's gonna be difficult. But but then it's going to be so much easier long term and better long term. I think, mm-hmm. um, it, like, uh, your kids will likely be interested in the same sort of thing at the same time. You know, like, um, you know, 
you're not going to have one that wants to watch Paw Patrol and the other one that wants to watch the Friday the 13th movies. You know, like you're going to have you're, you, like right now with Gwen and Clara, like Clara likes Baby Bum, which is just like this, you know, babies dancing and music on Netflix. And Gwen wants to watch sort of full shows. It's not a big deal, but it's just like it's kind of annoying. You have to kind of balance that sort of stuff up you're not going to have to long term like they're going to be aligned more or less there's a better chance that they'll you know potentially be friends or whatever they'll Mm -hmm. end up close in close proximity in school and so i think i think that that is you know it's it's a good thing and like i would defer to somebody like ryan in terms of advice congratulations jordan congratulations to you and your wife but but uh um, you need to value your yourselves, your relationship, your sanity. That means giving each other breaks. Uh, that means uh, somebody's going to have to take both kids at the same time, uh, and the other person's going to go out because of the breastfeeding thing. You're gonna you're gonna end up in situations where perhaps your wife it not because my wife was like this. She didn't she didn't end up. Uh, you know bottling or pumping or whatever and so it meant that she felt that she could never go out but she always could like really there's your baby's not eating all the time especially after Mm -hmm. you know a few months so like it's just like finding those moments where you can be like okay get out of the house go have a coffee at starbucks for like you know even if it's just half an hour and i will take both kids and come back because those those little things they'll recharge both your batteries and you're absolutely going to need them that yeah. would be my advice yeah no and and yeah like you said congrats first uh, first and foremost but i think um you're right like those little breaks that you offer each other make the longer stretches of uh you know taking it uh being on your own with the two kids much easier um because it it you know, like you said recharges your batteries but um Korath in the chat is saying he found one kid to two was much harder than zero to one. That is completely true. I felt the same way, especially when they're when they're closer together. I remember when Caden was born and I had parental leave. Um, it was much easier for me in the sense we were able to swap back and forth um, with Caden. And I didn't mind driving him around at four in the morning to put him to sleep because that was my job at that point was to take care of the kid. Uh, and and. Ashley was breastfeeding, but uh, that was one of those moments where it's like, you need to get him out of the house so he falls asleep so I can sleep. And I was fine with that. But then when you have two kids, like you're not only trying to help your your partner uh, with this, this newborn, but also keep your oldest content. And you're right, like going from one to two is a, is a little bit harder than zero to one because uh, your, your defense is is thinned uh so definitely keeping everybody uh charged is 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 good um giving you know attention to the oldest is also very important i found caden wasn't caden was fine like he never had a moment where he he had any backlash in in terms of us paying more attention to to the youngest uh to abigail uh over him i think he was just kind of cool with it and It'll be interesting, you know, for you, uh, Jordan, to see how that goes, because everybody's different. So all these stories that we're telling you could be uh, completely useless, and you might have a completely different scenario to worry about. And and every every kid is different too. So yeah. like your your easier kid could be your first one, but could also be your second one. Like I would say that like my my it was hard 
the first week of having two kids, I was like, oh my, I don't even understand how this works. This yeah. is like insane. But but um, Gwen, uh, bless her heart, the older one was a tougher baby than Clara was, and uh, um, you know it could easily have been the other way around. Like right, like one could, you know, the second baby could have slept worse or breastfed worse mm-hmm. or whatever. So you never know. You never know how, how it's going to go. But I'm crossing my fingers that it's going to go well for you, Jordan. Yeah, uh, I'm. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure. I give it a year and everything will be great. Like I was talking about my great weekend. You will have a great weekend in a year. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> great way to so, end all that positive so advice. Look forward to a year from now. <laughs> whatever. I'm just saying it's I'm the light at joking. the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Of um, if you want to find the light at the end of the tunnel, you can find it at tgistudios.com slash dad. That's our website with all our previous episodes that are on there. You can, there that's where you can send all your friends who want to catch up. Or hmm. you could just have them follow us on their podcast catcher of choice. Uh, if you have any questions or or birth announcements like uh, like Jordan's, uh, you can email the show. It's dad at tgistudios.com. Or you can just tweet at us. We're both on Twitter. You can find Ryan at R. Murphy. You can find myself at Croft and Steers. And uh, Ryan, any final thoughts before I give our closing tagline? Not really, but I think Spider-Man's back in the MCU. That's the closing thought. Spider-Man's back, baby. That's going to do it for this episode (laughs) of Dungeons and Diapers. Have a great week, everybody. Bye. Bye.